welcome back to another episode of Men of Divine Mercy podcast. I'm Mark Carey, and with me is... Tom Clasby. And another guest. We have our third guest with us today, and... Tom Coke. That is Mayor Tom Two Coke. Toms and a Mark. Two Toms yes. and a Mark. Yes, that's right. And uh, that Tom, by the way, happens to be the mayor of the great city of Quincy, the city of presidents, which is where we have our men's group. What we're going to talk about a little bit today is the wait, origins. Wait, 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 wait. You said... Mayor of the great city of Quincy. You didn't say the great mayor of the city of Quincy. I didn't. Oh, I noticed that. <laughs> but he is a <laughs> great mayor. That'll be reflected in your picture. <laughs> so we're from the Northeast, and we do we realize that we have some listeners in South Carolina and across the world, actually. There are a few listeners in Europe and in Australia. How about that, guys? Sounds wow. good. That's the power of podcast. Today, we're going to start off with a prayer, which is what we didn't do last time, and we want to make sure that we do that at every episode, and we'll close with a prayer as well. So I'm going to ask our resident pseudo-theologian, Tom Clasby, open us up with a prayer. Theologian, please. (laughs) (laughs) In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into thee, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To you do we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Last week, we, we didn't have a podcast last week, but two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the Stations of the Cross, which is what we're doing as a men's group. We are a men's group that meets every Thursday night at 7 p.m. at Sacred Heart Church, 386 Hancock Street in the great city of Quincy, Massachusetts. It's our prayer group. We pray the Stations of the Cross. What else do we do? Well, we have Holy Mass, the first... Uh, Thursday of the month, and the Stations of the Cross generally during Lent, which is, of course, the season we're in now, and then we have Rosary, Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and usually the Divine Mercy Chaplet on those other days. And we are working in a new program. We had our first witness talk. I shouldn't say first in all the years, because we've had others, but Mm. more on a regular basis, the third Thursday, we're looking at doing a witness along with the, the Rosary. This uh, coming April 7th, Thursday night, we'll be having a very special speaker, Father Dan Rehill from Columbia, Tennessee. He's also the exorcist for the, for the Diocese of Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I've, his witness we heard at a Marian conference not that long ago, and it is so powerful. So if you're within an earshot and you can make it on April 7th, make sure you join us at St. Mary's Church on Crescent Street in Quincy as well. It'll be a Thursday night, 7 p.m. Uh, with Father Dan Rehill. So let's talk about the origins of the group, because the reason why we wanted to have um, the two Toms, <laughs> Mayor Tom Koch and Tom Clasby here, is because these were two of the guys who started this group, who started our group. Now, we briefly brushed upon the beginnings of this group in our first podcast, but I think it's a good idea to talk about why why it happened when you got together and discussed why you, that you wanted to start a men's group. Well, I think um, if you're going to talk about why talking about starting a Catholic prayer group, then you got to give the credit to the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. So, so I think the Holy Spirit was prodding both Tom and I, and we were chatting one day about it. What, what can we do to get some like-minded people together to kind of affirm our faith and, and our faith walk as we're out in this world, whatever job or profession we may we may have? And um, you know, those early years, we, we were kind of figuring it out as we went. We used the used to be a convent on Glover Ave that belonged to Sacred Heart School that we used to meet in, and it was a great spot. We'd go over to the main church and bring the Blessed Sacrament over to have in the chapel, and we, we started with rosary. And then we did have a couple of witness talks uh, early on, and I know that uh, we've had a number of men 
who were with us in the early years that have they've gone home to the Lord. Uh, we certainly have a lot of good memories, a lot of, of fun discussions with guys. Certainly want to give a shout out to Kevin Murphy because Kevin Murphy, after I got involved in the life of men now, became harder for me to get down there, open up. And, and so Kevin was very helpful in those years of being there, getting the place open, getting set up. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we kind of share that that today. But Kevin was instrumental in that to start with. But And I know we had some lean years. We were down to two or three guys some nights doing the rosary. And, and I know it's not about, you know, the numbers. It's about the quality. But, you know, we used to pray that we may grow in faith in a number. And we're definitely making some progress. Uh, but I know Tom was a big part of the discussions early on. And, of course, he's become truthfully a, a leader in many ways, mm. uh, putting together the itinerary of each of the nights and, certain reflections and all. Tom certainly is a gift, so we're glad you're part of the group, Thomas. It's that Steubenville education that you have, Tom. Must be. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be. I remember the Bishop Sheen tapes that were played in the convent at the time, and they were I think they were literal cassette tapes, because we're talking 16 years ago, right? That's right. Yeah, and it was Kevin Murphy that really brought that element in, um, but you can never go wrong with, with Fulton Sheen. It's amazing how there he was in the 1950s, and I remember my father telling me, you know, sometimes you'd walk into a bar and there would be Fulton Sheen on in the television of <laughs> the amazing. bar. Different time. But it's amazing how even today the, the message is, is is probably even more urgent than it was when he was when he was teaching it. Well, this group has, has seen a great sort of surge in the past few years, I think. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about First, the reasons why, yes, the Holy Spirit, but what what sort of urged you guys on to start the group? Because I know it was you, uh, Mayor, and Tom, and Kevin Murphy that really started this group, but what what was the original germination of it? Why did you want to start a men's group? Well, I, I, I think for basically what I said, I mean, we, you know, I think we're all regular Sunday mass goers. Some of us would go certain days of the week, but we were looking for more. You know, life is busy. We're all on that treadmill, and time passes quickly. And I think for our own faith walk, our own individual walk, but Christ also asks us to come together as community. And so a community of men, much like, you know, the apostles that he started with. I remember having the conversations with Tom, and then we went to a, a Catholic men's conference. I think the first one the Boston Archdiocese had, which was at BCI. Yeah, no doubt, because we had talked about it for a long time. But as the mayor just said, you know, everybody's busy. Everyone has a lot going on. So trying to commit you know, narrow down a particular day or particular time can be a little bit difficult. But once we've done that, that's now become our set time. Yeah. And it's really important for people. I think it was Thomas Merton said, you know, no man is an island. Mm. You you, you can't do Christianity alone. You know, the Lord gathered people around him. He sent them out two by two. You need community. You have to have people that are going to hold you accountable. And sometimes you may have to hold people accountable, but you can't do it on your own. And it's important to gather together as men. Not that it's not important to come together as all families. And we, you know, hopefully we all pray with our families if we can. But talk about the importance of having a men's group or, or men getting together and praying. Men and women are different. Thanks be to God. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But. You know, sometimes a group of men might not want to reveal things about themselves in front of women. It may be viewed as, oh, they're kind of weak or, you know, that particular aspect. But to be able to have support from another guy and chances are there's somebody else there that's struggling with the same thing, it just opens up an opportunity to deal with those things that 
really, I don't think, would happen if it were combined. Now, we do things, as you're going to speak about a little later, I think, we do other things. Or you mentioned some of the things that we've done on Night for Life, and we have Father Dan Real coming. Yeah. Father Dan's thing will, will be co-ed. You know, we'll have girlfriends and wives and anybody in the general public will be welcome to that event. But for the, for the nights that we worship together, it's very important that we set an example for one another as men. Yeah, and even coming together after the fact. I mean, I just I think the fellowship is just mm-hmm. as important that we well, all well, if, hold if, you know, same you, beliefs. Guys go to a Bruins game. Guys watch the football the game together. They go and play guys together. I, I think there's a camaraderie there. Why not do it with the faith? For the, some of the reasons that Tom just mentioned. Guys don't like to let their hair down in front of their wife and show <laughs> any weakness, a wife or girlfriend or whatever it may be. So I think it's proved out, at least for our group, that it's worked. And uh, these, these men are finding a purpose in this group. And, of course, that purpose is to continue to grow in the faith, right? Right. So let's talk a little bit more about how the group has grown. There was a time that it was just a few men. And, again, it's not about the numbers, but... But over the past few years, we've had some changes. We've created a website, menofdivinemercy.com. We've renamed the group from the what used to be the Sacred Heart Men's Prayer Group is now the Men of Divine Mercy Prayer Group, and that's due to the fact that the parish is now the parish of, Men of Divine Mercy, right? With three churches, correct. Yeah. But this group has sort of grown, and some of the fruits of that have been bringing people like Scott Hahn in last November and Father Dan Rehill coming this uh, this year, and partnering with Mother Olga of the Sacred Heart, head of the Daughters of Mary of Nazareth, to put on the Night for Life. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, actually, we'll talk about that, but I want to talk to you, Mayor, about, and this will lead into this conversation, but you were a Democrat, Mayor. Our listeners, I'm sure, will be shocked to hear that you were a Democrat, and you've been in office for how many years now? I'm in my 15th year. 15 years as mayor, the longest in the city of Quincy. It's finally getting good at it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big city, a city of 100,000 plus people. And you were a Democrat and you left the Democratic Party right before the election year. Talk about that and why. Yeah, sure. Well, I was was actually uh, speaking. I don't know if you guys were there or not. I was a guest speaker for the Knights of Columbus in North Quincy, the communion breakfast. So they had mass. I think it was a St. Anne and then the... North Quincy Council, each year they have a speaker and they asked me to speak. And I spoke a little bit about my faith walk and I was speaking about the importance of the life issue. I had no intention going in there with anything, any particular agenda other than to speak about a little bit about the faith, the importance of the faith, because it's all men, men and fathers and sons most of the time at that breakfast. I remember going to it as a kid with my dad. Mm. While I was talking it through, it, it, it dawned on me that I don't belong in the Democratic Party anymore. I had struggled with it for years and the new, at the time, the new chair of the National Democratic Committee said there was no room in the Democratic Party for pro-life Democrats. So I said at the, you know, at the breakfast, I said, I'm a hypocrite. He said, I can't be part of a party that this is one of their top agenda items. Therefore, I'm going to go, when I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to go to the city clerk's office and switch my enrollment to what the old days would be called an independent now it's called unenrolled. And I hate the term unenrolled because it sounds like you're not registered to vote, <laughs> yeah. but, but I'm not enrolled in a particular party. And it was like this great lift off of me, the weight I was carrying it. it you know, and you know, part of me was, hey, you got to stay in the party to try to change the party. And I get that argument, but I wasn't making any headway on it. My conscience just said, you know what? It's time to move on. This issue is more important than any other issue of our time. There's a lot of important issues out there, but it's the most fundamental right there is. It talks about in our 
in the Declaration of Independence, the right to life, right to life. And, and we can't even come together as a society to agree on that. We got a real issue. So I, I can't be part of a party that one of their number one priorities is the abortion issue. That's a pretty brave stance too. I remember that. I know you don't say that. You were just you were just doing your speaking your conscience. Well, and- at, the, at the end of the day, right? We're going to stand before our maker. And what, sometimes what I struggle with, because I'm, I'm in a position of authority and leadership that I'm going to be held to a higher standard knowing what I know. Part of it's, uh, it's, not, it's not that courageous. It's just realizing someday I'm going to have to stand before my God and answer for my, for my words and my deeds. Which I think Simple is the definition, that. the definition of courage in many ways when it comes to our faith. Well, he's he's definitely being humble because yeah. it is courageous. And, it, you know, as something politicians love to talk about stuff like courageous. You hear those buzzwords. It's very few will they put their reputation, career, reputation or even, you know, the possibility of, of losing an election on the line. And I mean, I know Democrats that really their heart isn't into the pro-choice ideology, but they feel like they have to do that to get elected. Well, who wants it then? You know, it, it, it exhibited courage and uh, we're very proud of, of, of you, Mayor. The great term these days is, is, uh, I believe in science. You see it on bumper stickers. Follow the science and yeah. in the in the issues of our day. Well, Democrats, yeah. if you follow the science, you know when a baby is a yeah. baby. Ninety-seven oh, percent so. of the world's biologists believe that life begins at conception. Imagine that. Yeah, amazing. We, we want to, we don't want to make this political at all, but and then I thought it was important to to bring that up. And we were and I was a Democrat. I left the party twenty years ago. And Tom, you were a Democrat at one point in your life. We're from Boston, folks. So some people can't even Quincy. imagine that. Quincy. <laughs> we're from the Boston area, but from Quincy. We border Boston, and it's all Democrat up here. But we, and I think, we all feel like that catchphrase. You know, I think Ronald Reagan said, "We, you know, I didn't leave the party; it left me." Uh, those values have have left us. It's become a different party than what it was. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, and I think that there's some truth to the idea of the ideology of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. I think that the extremes these days have kind of taken control of the parties. And I actually in Massachusetts, the the greater Enrollment now is in the unenrolled, the independent. So, a lot of people have left the parties for for whatever for whatever issue it may be. But, and that's part of what we're dealing with today as a society. And, and as the, sometimes I wonder, is our democratic republic gonna gonna withhold us going forward to the way things are going? I want to ask you a couple more questions, uh, Mayor, about your position in the city and being a Catholic. But first, let's because we're talking about this pro life issue, one of the incredible fruits that came from the Men of Divine Mercy, partnering with Mother Olga of the Sacred Heart, and of course, sponsored by the Flatley Foundation. We couldn't do it without them. We started an event called the Night for Life every year. We've had two of them so far. In our first one, we you know, we, we started advertising six weeks before, and we got 2,000 people that showed up in our high school stadium that we rented to celebrate life from conception to natural death. By the way, that's no just typical high school stadium. That is a beautiful Oh, it is. Veterans <laughs> Memorial Stadium. And, it, it, and I remember my, I had three profound visits to Medjugorje. My last one was that I was getting this feeling that the Blessed Mother was looking for more action. Yes, prayer is important, all those things, but she was looking for more action. And I remember coming back and talking to you guys to discern about this. How can we, as a group, do more? And then, and then we met with Mother Olga, and all of a sudden we we're talking about a an event, a night for life, and, and, and an event that was not to judge women, not to make it political, but it was about to recognize the importance of life and to help spread the word for that. It was about love, not about a hate. It, it was about forgiveness, acceptance, not about judgment. And I think that that's what made it so successful. And uh, 
you know, with the COVID, we missed a year or two, and, and now we'll be back at it, thankfully. Not one single protester, not one single sign in the two years that we've had. The last year, we had about 2,500 people. We had Abby Johnson and Ben Watson both speak at it. But we also begin with the rosary. Yeah, we begin with the rosary, and it's very, it's very Catholic event, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. You can never go wrong with those two things. Right. They are powerful. God responds when he's being worshipped. You know, and to the May's point, too, it, it was a different kind of evening. It is a different kind of evening than most life events. And I think people understand that, too. We've been really fortunate that, as you mentioned, we haven't had any problems. We've prepared for if there were problems to, to uh, break out. But Thanks be to God, we've had we've had none of that. It's just been an uplifting, beautiful evening where we can celebrate life. And I know I predicted this. I remember talking to you guys, and mm. I would get a phone call the day after for the first time from uh, the daily paper locally about how this was paid for, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so a shout out to Mr. John Flatley and Dan Flatley from the Flatley Foundation for this beautiful work that they were able to help us with. And their father, I know, Tom Flatley, the late Tom Flatley, who was so supportive of this cause, would be very pleased. So uh, thank you to the Flatley Foundation for helping to foot the bill. As you know, with our group and Mother's Group, there, was, there were plenty of hands and legs, but you need resources, and uh, we're grateful to the Flatley Foundation. Yeah, everything from sound to the to the big video screens we have in the stadium. I mean, it's and it's quite a city night. doesn't pay for any of it. It's That's all right. paid for us. By, all paid for outside. Yeah. But you know, to your point, just mentioning those things, it's a first class event mm. from start to finish. It's done correctly. It yeah. moves along nicely. The speakers have been top notch speakers. The venue is a beautiful venue, as the mayor pointed out. It's a really well done event. And we're a lay group. We're a group of laymen. And the Cardinal has spoke, has come both years. He had wanted to come and speak and he gave a great speech at both. And And then Mayor, you've closed it the last couple of years with it, which I think because of your position and because of you being a part of this group, it just has a massive effect on people. Oh, I don't know. It's, you know, I'm proud to be a part of the men's group. And, and I know that um, I'm almost like a dinosaur in these days being a a elected official being pro-life. So I'm, I'm glad to be part of the event, glad to be part of that wonderful evening. It's You can feel the spirit at night. It is so powerful. The stories are powerful. The message is powerful. And, and it's up to us to go out from those events and bring that back into the workplace. And, and will we hang and will we socialize? And again, to, to reaffirm life and what it's about. It's typically been in June, but this year we moved it to October 1st, and we also moved it to a Saturday afternoon, so I'm not sure if we can call it the Night for Life anymore, but I think we will continue. Yeah, and one of the that. reasons was we felt to attract more school kids and yeah. college kids in the Boston area. They're they're all gone by the time June comes, and uh, October is also the rosary month, so it's kind of a nice fit. I will say that we have had other Christians, not just not all Catholics, they've, they've participated and come to the event for the same reasons, their belief in in God and Christ and, and the importance of life. So they're, they're certainly welcome. Definitely has a strong Catholic flavor to it, which is great. It does. And this year, we're announcing this for the first time. We don't even have it on our Night for Life website yet, but we have Claire Culwell, who spoke at the March for Life a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this year, who stole the people's hearts, uh, we have Katie Shaw, who is a, a woman with Down syndrome, who really stole the hearts of everyone at the March for Life in D.C. this year. She'll be coming as well. We also have great music. And the night before, we're going to have a mass celebrating a, a mass for night for, for the Night for Life. It's going to be a great weekend, but you just mentioned that one of the reasons why we moved it to October was to talk to was to bring in 
say, campus ministries. I was privileged to be with you and Mother Olga at Providence College last week. We met the folks from their Students for Life, and they want to come and bring a bus. But it brings us back to the conversation we were just having a little bit ago. The topic was courage under fire. Now, that's what was sort of what you were talking about. Now, it just leads me to one more question I wanted to ask you about being a mayor in these times, being a Catholic in these times, and how do you juggle and balance both? That's uh, that's that's a challenge every day. I'm, I'm elected by folks of all walks of life and all denominations, and and I'm proud to be the mayor of this great city. I've also been invited to almost every house of worship in the city, and I have gone to almost every house of worship. Where I've been invited, I have gone. I've been in Buddhist temples and the uh, one of the early mosques of New England in Quincy Point. I've been in when the synagogue was here and the temple was here. I was, I had visited those places. I've been in Protestant churches, and of course, I've been in every Catholic church in this city as well. We're all part of the same human family, and I'm the mayor for everybody in Quincy, and I don't forget that. However, I don't leave my faith at the doorway. There is a place for your faith and your values in the public square. And when it comes to decision-making and policy-setting, I'm very mindful of my values and, and my beliefs that were given to me by my parents, my upbringing, and my faith walk. Those are very important. I think that one of the problems we have today in society, some of the challenges in school districts, is that you know we got people coming, uh, making policy and decisions that don't have a moral compass, that don't have that. I'm not judging anybody, by the way. I'm, this isn't a judgment, but... If you don't have that fundamental foundation on the moral side of things, I think it's harder and harder for, for people to come to that point. Again, I'm the mayor of everybody, but I'll never apologize for being a mayor who happens to be Catholic. Amen. That's a pretty good witness right there. The mayor said it well. With the, As we're formed in our Catholicism, and that's a lifelong process, one of the things in Catholic social teaching talks about the common good. And that's not the, just the common good for Catholics. It's the common good of the community, of the states, of our nations, the world. When we apply our Catholic values, we're striving for the common good. You know, we don't have to check our faith at the door. We don't force our faith on anybody, but neither should we have things forced on us. But we do have to work together for the betterment of society. One of the reasons why, when I look at a lot and talk to a lot of the guys in the men's group, why they come is because they want to be better men, better husbands, better fathers, better brothers, better Catholics, Catholics in their community. Yeah, and that's um, and that's why we do it. And it's amazing the kind of things that have happened. You know that we probably really didn't envision. You know, I got a nice note from somebody. And I'm going to start nicknaming them Barnabas because that means son of encouragement. And this particular guy always has an encouraging word or a smile, you know, very simple faith. Really, he builds me up, and I greatly appreciate that. We had a bunch of the guys, you know, we, we, we come from all walks of lives. Yeah, there's, there's, there's bachelors, there's guys that have been married for years, there's grandfathers. You know, we, have, we, we run the gamut in terms of, you know, where we're coming from. 20s to 80s. But yeah. for, for the holidays, a bunch of the guys that were bachelors were invited to one of the other guys' house um, for Thanksgiving. A few of them went over. So no one suggested that. That was just one of the guys' idea. You know, these guys, you know, may not have uh, some of them, their parents have, have gone and they're middle-aged guys and maybe didn't have a place to go to. So they all went down together, had a great time, I understand. And that was just an organic thing that occurred. I mean, again, things have really ramped up in the past few years. I think it's because of the times. I think it's because of, and I think the Holy Spirit has sort of poked us all to kind of do some more. Yeah. 
just to do more. I, I don't know in the last couple of shows, guys, but certainly want to give a shout out of thank you to Father Lou, pastor of Divine Mercy Parish, but also the Oblate Fathers who come and do our monthly mass, a group of guys that are tremendous. I've never been disappointed with one of their homilies. They really challenge us. So uh, amazing. that's a part of it as well. Uh, they're really holy men. And you know, it's one of the things that's so interesting is they love to come. It does something for them. You don't just, think of that that often, there. do you? I they mean, always the, the, say it, though. The Obelites know? of Mary, yeah, they're amazing, right? Yeah. And by the way, you know, uh, Tom, I think we've got to give Mark a little credit because uh, the music some, from time to time it's is not pretty bad. good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, um, get, he's getting better. Are you talking better. to me? You're talking to me? <laughs> are you talking to me? <laughs> Mark's a very talented musician. Yeah, well, anywho, we'll just move on. I think uh, we want to, again, invite people to come if you are... Listening in the Massachusetts area, we'd love to have you come on Thursday nights. There are a lot of great men's groups propping up on the south shore of of Boston. We know that. We know in Boston there are. But it's really exciting to see what's happening. And we have a great men's group on Thursday nights at 7 p.m., 386 Hancock Street in Quincy. You can visit menofdivinemercy.com. We have this podcast. Please uh, subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Share it if you can. We have a newsletter where we want to invite you uh, to Thursday nights. We also want to invite you to April 7th, Father Dan Rehill. Again, menofdivinemercy.com. Closing prayer? Closing prayer. The prayer of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. 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 We'll see you next time on Men of Divine Mercy Podcast. Amen.